Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Monday, February 21st. J.C. Sherbert here with you. Good to be with you today. Just wrapped up press conference, football, Shane Beamer, uh, new tight ends coach, Jody Wright. Uh, Certainly have some thoughts about that and a lot of other things. Really good weekend, uh, I guess, to uh, be a fan of Gamecock athletics. Uh, Football, or sorry, football. (laughs) Baseball team survived a series, won a series against UNC Greensboro, probably did not go how uh, a lot of folks would have liked. Uh, but uh, the Gamecocks rallied and, and won the rubber game in extra innings, uh, two to one. You know, too soon to panic. Is it too soon to have concerns? I don't know. You know, uh, baseball is a weird game. You know, it, uh, you, you don't ever hardly get the same team tw- two games in a row. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, certainly uh, very impressed with Michael Braswell, the freshman, uh, and the way he played uh, throughout the series. So Gamecocks play Winthrop next and uh, go from there. Uh, men's basketball, South Carolina uh, defeats LSU. I know everybody's pretty happy about that. Uh, 77-75, always good to get a win over Will Wade. Uh, and to get a Q1 win at home. And South Carolina was down early. Uh, Jermaine Cousinard with his mom in the stands, 33 points. Uh, just so happy uh, that, that Jermaine could have that type of performance uh, with his mom in the stands. Uh, you know, it wasn't always pretty. Uh, it was a game where Carolina just sort of clawed and clawed and kept battling and battling, and Cousinard lifted them uh, to the win. Uh, and so now here you go, 7-7 seven and seven in the SEC, and Mississippi State coming into town next. Uh, the negative – uh, in terms of the, the team this year, because there's some other positive news. Uh, the negative is, man, oh, man, you know, the net ranking. I, I don't understand for the life of me, and I, I did some research today, and I looked in the RPI. Uh, at the RPI, some people still track it. Uh, and the Gamecocks are like 71st in the RPI, which puts them in striking distance. They move up to 93 in the net. Are you kidding me? Um, 20 spots by an A&M and Vandy who – 
the Gamecocks are three and zero against this year, including two wins on the road. Um, again, I, and I don't know, you know, I, I, I like the net. I like the formula. Uh, I'd be curious to, to know though, how much the efficiency part of it, uh, the Ken Palm part of it, if you will. Uh, and I'm not a mathematician, so I can't, I can't, there's no way I can figure that out, but, but I'll be curious to know how much that's playing a factor. And, and it's unfortunate if it does a whole lot, or if it's what's keeping the ranking down, because look, man, it, it should never be about how you win, just that you win. Um, of course, Carolina doesn't have a, a ton of great wins either. Uh, and, and look, I do I think this team should be a top 40 net ranking team right now? No, not not close. But 93 after a Q1 win like that seems a little bit weird uh, to me. Uh, but, there, I mean, you know, look, it's math, so there's no conspiracy. I just, I just don't know why the formula uh, is how it is. Um, and I wish, uh, you know, fat chance of this happening, but the NCAA selection committee really should take a look at some of these outliers and say, look, this is – this is an outlier here, you know, not saying Carolina will get in. This is more to do with the, the, the process and all that than really it is uh, about, you know, the Gamecocks, uh, so to speak. G.G. Jackson, number one player in the country per rivals, top five recruit, class of 2023, local kid, uh, official visit, lots of info out there about it, uh, interviews with his dad. Uh, we have an ex- exclusive interview on the Big Spur with Gigi himself decision may be coming down here in the next month and the, and the Gamecocks uh, are right there in it. North Carolina's in it, Duke's in it, uh, but the Gamecocks are right there. And uh, there seems to be an awful lot of good uh, happening uh, with his recruitment with Frank Martin and and South Carolina, Uh, you know, and, and all that sort of leads up to this big question, right? Has to, you know, what happens if the Gamecocks don't pull off what I would consider to be a, a fantastic finish? Uh, I, I think it's already pretty good tr- tracking to be a pretty good finish with a win this week. But a fantastic one, you know, obviously would mean a win at Alabama or at Auburn and, and a, a potential NCAA tournament bid with, with the net ranking like it is. Heck, I don't know. I don't know if they won out if they would be in it. Uh, it should be, but I don't know. Um so that becomes the question about Frank Martin and his future. And, you know, is an NIT bid with Gigi Jackson coming in enough? Um, I, I think in, in some years, it, it definitely, there'd be no question. But you're talking about year 10 of a coaching tenure. So when you consider all of that, it's, uh, it's a situation where, you know, you don't really know. Uh, it, it is a mystery. And, uh, It'll. It looks like it's going to be one of those judgment calls. Just to be honest, depending on what exactly happens, um, because I do think you know. Although I'm throwing last year away, <laughs> definitely. Um, but you do think you know. It's not like the program sunk to to greater lows. Uh, you know, I know a lot of the talk uh, with some people after the season was that um, you know this team would be the worst in the SEC. Well, it's not even close. Uh, it's middle of the pack uh, right now. They just got a quality win against LSU. Um, there have been some disappointing games. I look back to that Florida game, a one and four start in the league. They're six and three cents. Uh, they have turned it around, but kind of just like uh, 
just like a lot of seasons, you know, some of these games that they drop are, are kind of coming back to bite them, you know, as it relates to the net ranking. And, you know, like I said, fat chance that they're going to look at anything but the net for the tournament. I sort of figured that out last year, you know, during a COVID year where they went straight off the net. I mean, it, 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 nothing really changed uh, in terms of their selection, even though, you know, the disingenuous part of it was that, that it was, you know, and, and obviously South Carolina wasn't in the mix there. I'm just kind of giving you my personal feelings about the NCAA selection committee in men's basketball and sort of the hypocrisy and, and, and inconsistency that takes place. And, and nobody talks about it because, you know, when, when you're talking about it, you're talking about like 65 versus 75 or something like that. Uh, those, those ones. Um, and so it, it, it's one of those things where, Heck, I mean, it, it's a, it's a, it's a do or die type of deal uh, for men's basketball. Uh, again, uh, as we kind of move forward here, got a lot of mailbag questions today. We're going to get to uh, a lot of them, so going to kind of rush through the first segments. Uh, and uh, wanted to tell you before we get to this next topic about Cindy Searfoss. He, she's a sponsor. Uh, normally the analysis segment on this podcast, uh, Caldwell Banker Kane Real Estate. She's married to a diehard Gamecock fan. Uh, Cindy's been in the upstate for more than 35 years and would love to help you with all of your real estate needs. You can contact her 864-414-5271 or C. Searfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbkane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E.com. Right there, Daniel Morgan Avenue, my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina. Uh, I bought a uh, a print uh, a photograph, uh, uh, I guess it was taken with a drone or something or a high angle uh, of downtown Spartanburg, just so I could be reminded of home when I'm sitting here in my office and uh, looks good. And you can see Daniel Morgan Avenue from it. So uh, that's where Cindy is and she can help you with all of your real estate needs. If you're in the upstate again, 864-414-5271, please tell her that JC sent you. Uh, so Jody Wright, uh, the new tight ends coach, introduced, just had a chance to listen to his press conference, listen to Shane Beamer's press conference. Um, I'll start with Beamer. You know, some of the interesting things he said is that the portal guys that came in uh, all look like they belong. They don't look like new guys. They've assimilated well. Uh, he went out of his way to comment on Spencer Rattler's character and attitude. Uh, and said he's very, 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 very grounded. I think there are a bunch of uh, gra- very groundeds <laughs> in there uh, in a response to a question. Um, and that kind of jives with what I've heard internally about Rattler, even when they decided to take him. Because if you think back, Gamecocks, they, they probably could have pushed for Max Johnson, uh, the transfer from LSU, uh, especially with uh, Zeb Nolan's dad being his head coach and all that. But uh, and I'm not saying they would have gotten Max because uh, obviously, you know, A&M was a good opportunity for he and his brother both, but they took Rattler. And so that kind of pushed Max away or, or, or to another spot. Uh, again, not saying that they would have ended up with him necessarily, but I think there's a high probability. So a choice had to be made. And so the, the question you ask when, when you talk internally is because you got this rep out there uh, about Rattler because uh, – Body language on TV, stupid stuff, I think. You know, just uh, look, when you're a guy that's supposed to be a Heisman Trophy candidate and uh, things aren't going all that well and you get replaced by a freshman and everybody's happy you got replaced with a fan base, you know, I I thought it was, like, good of him to stick it out with his team and and, and he didn't quit immediately. 
So, uh, cause that happens sometimes. Um, but still there, there was questions and, uh, you know, I think that, or there were questions, there was questions. That's not good grammar. I don't think, um, there are questions and they got answered, uh, during the, uh, the zoom call or the, the, the virtual visit meeting. And for what I was told is, you know, Spencer, Spencer has been served a plate of humble pie. <laughs> so as things stand now, you know, he is ready to work. He released his own hype video. And, and look, you know, sometimes that, that type of stuff, you know, is a red flag. Uh, this guy's releasing his own hype video, you know, blah, 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 blah. But I, I think nowadays with NIL and things like that, so much of it is about uh, for some of these players, especially guys that are proven, and he is proven, uh, you know, to get their get to be on brand, Right. And, you know, I didn't see anything wrong with the hype video. I thought, hey, you know, you look, and I think Carolina fans got excited because you get to see some tape on him and see how talented he is throwing the football. Um, you know, and and so he released a hype video, and he seems ready to go uh, down there in Columbia uh, and all that. Now, the question today was, was posed to Shane Beamer about Rattler's dad because there has been some controversy uh, coming from Arizona State. You know, Matt Berry of ESPN, who I've known a long time, greatest respect in the world for Matt. Uh, very awesome that he's in the position he is now uh, with ESPN. He's also an Arizona State grad and has connections to that program. Well, the spin coming out of Tempe uh, after Jaden Daniels hits the portal, which is a disaster for that program, a complete disaster, right? And that's after half the coaching staff has walked out the door, been asked to leave, right, for Herm Edwards and, and his group. And I feel bad for Herm Edwards. I know Homer, Herm Edwards a little bit. I've met him several times. He used to coach the Under Armour game when I worked for ESPN and the 24-7 sports, and I'd go down there and talk to them about players and always just the nicest guy uh, when he doesn't have to be. Really funny, intense, honest. Uh, can't say enough good about Herm Edwards, but his program is kind of rogue. You're kind of going rogue, you know, a little bit. He's been betrayed by some of his assistants. So I don't know how much longer that thing is going to last. And, you know, Jaden Daniels walks out the door, and then, then all of a sudden, because Spencer Rattler was going to Arizona State um, before Daniels decided to come back. Uh, I don't think it was about NIL money or anything like that. It was simply about playing time. I mean, he, he needs, Spencer wanted to go someplace he could start. I don't blame him. And uh, you're probably, I mean, even though, you know, the, the chances of him beating out Jaden Daniels, who's been there for a while, uh, no matter if Spencer does some things better than Jaden Daniels, which I believe he does, uh, th those chances are slim. So you're on the bench again. Uh, and that's what that was about. I mean, Daniels is coming back. Rattler says, well, I got to find someplace else. That, that, that's just how it is. And I can't blame anybody for that. You know, heck, it's always nice to go home. Uh, and Spencer Rattler being from Phoenix, quarterback in the Sun Devils, man, that would have been a great deal. But if Daniels is back, you know, uh, the path to, to start is not there. Okay, so that's one. Uh, number two, you know, there was going to be some sort of response from Arizona State because immediately, and this just kind of shows you, like, uh, sometimes the folks end up getting a little bit weird uh, about things. Oh, you could have had Spencer Rattler. My God, Jaden Daniels locked up the door. God, they had to feel stupid now. No, because who knew, who knew that, you know, Jaden Daniels didn't walk out the door until after half the coaching staff leaves uh, or is fired for NCAA issues. 
uh, you know, that situation changed. I mean, there was nothing stupid about what Arizona State or Spencer Rattler did. But, of course, in today's media climate, you're going to get that. Oh, blah, 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 because it's all about hype. I mean, you know, I, and it, guys, I just, you know, no offense to my profession and, and all that. And, you know, I try, you know, some people accuse me of hyping. I, I try not to be, I try to be honest and fair. But there is a strain of, of national media in college football now that is just all about hype. And, oh, you could have had – I mean, as if, you know, oh, Spencer Rattler probably feels dumb because he went to South Carolina. No, I mean, you're talking about a program that's about to get smacked with probation that could have more coaching changes, even though it's in his hometown. Who knows? So then the spin comes out about NIL and all this other stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think Matt Barry was told wrong uh, by the people at Arizona State. I think it's a spin job. And that happens, as we all know, uh, in uh, in sports, in college sports, especially, especially when it comes to recruiting, which they can't really talk about in public until after the fact, and blah 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 blah. So Rattler's dad gets on and uh, sets the record straight from his perspective, and then uh, Beamer got asked today if, if he was concerned about Rattler's dad. Beamer had a negative reaction to that, but uh, I, I don't have any concerns about Spencer Rattler in terms of his work and what he's going to do, his arm talent and all that. My, my concern is, 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 as it's always been, you know, fitting into this system that South Carolina is attempting to run. Uh, and, you know, I, I can say that, you know, we're going to find out uh, if it indeed was the quarterback situation, we're going to find out. Because uh, I'll pose this to you: What if the people that say, and, and, and you know, and I'm not one of them, and you know that. What if the what if the people that say, well, you know, three OCs in three years, uh, and that's true, three offensive, three different offenses in three years for most of this team, plus quarterback situation that wasn't good, you know, that caused you know a learning curve to to take place. I would always counter that with college offense is college offense. It, it shouldn't take a year. Uh, to get going in any system, uh, maybe for a quarterback. But I, I don't think it was necessary to have that kind of learning curve. But that, that, that's my opinion. But what if the people that say that are true? That's true. And, you know, you come out next year, Rattler picks it up because he's an experienced college quarterback. Uh, the receivers are running the right routes. The offensive line, dare I say, knows where they're going all the time. Uh, and there's a lot of veterans up there. The backs are more comfortable, that kind of thing, tight ends. Uh, what if that's the case? I mean, what if that's true and and I'm wrong and and we're all wrong and it ends up working like a like a thing of beauty? And I think that's what we can all hope for. You know, I'll, I'll gladly be wrong <laughs> if that's the case. And I'll tell you this, and maybe I'm a little bit, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, and I probably am, just to be honest. But you know, watching probably the greatest postseason in the history of NFL football. And all the great things they're doing on offense, folks. That's that's the, the conceptually, concept wise, that's a lot of what South Carolina wants to do: multiple personnel groupings, versatile personnel usage, like with Jaheim Bell, DeCarry and Joiner, uh, all the things that that makes some of the quote unquote fun pro offenses fun. They need that, but you, but you look at kind of what's the what's the the the. the I guess the the common thread in a lot of those offenses is the quarterback play. 
now there's also a common thread and that, you know, the play callers are pretty daggum good. You know, you're talking about Andy Reid, <laughs> you know, Brian Dable with the Bills this past year. And, uh, you know, got folks like that, Kyle Shanahan, who probably doesn't have, I mean, I'm not going to beat up on their quarterback, but, uh, you know, obviously, you know, he's not Patrick Mahomes, but, you know, you also have good play calls. So, so we'll see what happens. I mean, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I, I'm certainly not going to not be concerned uh, until I don't have a reason to be, and that's not going to come until, you know, probably – a month into next season after the Gamecocks play Arkansas, Georgia, and Georgia State, and I think uh, Charlotte's right there in the first four. Uh, and we'll see how they do uh, for whatever. So, um, you know, just one of those things. But uh, certainly, you know, Jody Wright, uh, in his part of the press conference, the new tight ends coach, seems real down to earth. Definitely a Southerner. <laughs> that definitely has the Alabama accent. Uh, seems like that he 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 has that Alabama core to him, and so uh, and I think recruiting in that state, obviously South Carolina can get two or three guys, um, call them low hanging fruit, whatever people that Alabama and Auburn uh, pass on or or whatever, and, and that Auburn staff, you really got to watch them now because they I, I I'm not throwing dirt on Brian Harson or his staff, but if there's a staff that's been at Auburn over the years, that's that's bound to maybe make some evaluation mistakes uh, or stump their toe in-state recruiting-wise, uh, I would say this group has a bigger chance than, than the others. Um, and I'll also say this, Alabama can't take them all. You know, and there's 20-something-plus four-star prospects or above right now in Alabama uh, for 2023, and that means that group behind them is pretty good too. You know, and that, that state – uh, since I've been covering recruiting, I guess the last class like that in that state was probably 08 with Julio Jones and uh, those guys. That was kind of the, the class that Nick Saban sort of merged with what Mike Shula had there. And boom, they're going to the SEC championship game. And then the next year they win a national championship. So that's what kind of talent can happen uh, out of the state of Alabama every 15 years or so. It's a really good state. And if you think about kind of the success they have, uh, with the smaller schools in that state, Troy's pretty good. South Alabama's always pretty good. UAB, obviously, is a success story. Uh, even Jacksonville State at the FCS level. So you sort of look at that, and I, I think that's going to help. You know, Jody Wright's also recruiting locally. Richland County, uh, same territory Eric Kimry had when he was there. And so that's important as well. And, and I think he is a coach that – is going to resonate really well with the coaches in the state of South Carolina. He's just kind of a down to earth guy. Uh, and I've heard that from everybody that's, that's interacted with him. Uh, super dude. So um, I think that, uh, you know, I think the Gamecocks, although, you know, I didn't know as much about him and you, you didn't know as much about him as maybe some of the other candidates. Uh, I, I certainly think that, you know, based on the feedback so far, that, that he could be a welcomed addition to the staff. Would be remiss if I did not mention Sunday. Uh, what a great – and, look, I'm not a watch-every-women's-basketball-game kind of guy. Uh, I do watch. Uh, I do hope they do well. I, I try to mention them. Um, just from the standpoint of what I know, I'm not going to sit here and try and analyze uh, their game uh, or their games because I, I'm not as familiar. Uh, but, boy, you know, a packed house at the CLA. Tennessee in town, obviously, for years, Tennessee was the the gold standard in women's college basketball, you know, along with UConn 
uh, a big win, an SEC championship, another one regular season this time, uh, another piece of another trophy in the trophy case for Dawn Staley and game day being there and just, you know, Debo Samuel getting some face. It was just a, anytime that can happen, that that's a great showcase for your university. And I, and I remember a, a few years back when, when the women's team hosted UConn and I think they lost the game, but, uh, SEC Network and, and Fine Bomb and everybody originated from the Colonial Life Arena. Steve Spurrier was still working there as an ambassador. And uh, they interviewed him. And it was just kind of a showcase for the, the University of South Carolina. And so I think that uh, that was a great day and, and, and kept a great weekend. You know, obviously, uh, people would wish the baseball game on Saturday would have gone better. Um, and Carolina almost rallied and won and wish, wish you hadn't dropped the game. But, you know, you take it. The men's team won. The, the, the Had a big-time recruit on campus that was impressed. That, 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 from what I was told, went about as, as well as possible, uh, which is good because uh, you're competing against Blue Bloods for him. Uh, and you have a chance to land the elusive five-star Columbia basketball prospect. Um, and we'll see, you know, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where that recruitment means something, you know, and, and as far as the future goes, uh, with that pro with the program, uh, I think the, the last four games of the season mean something too, uh, starting, uh, you know, Wednesday night at home against Mississippi state, then at Alabama then Missouri, and then at Auburn, uh, Auburn lost at Florida, you know, this past weekend, but, uh, you know, looking at it and being realistic, I, you know, here's what I think. I, I think, you know, Mississippi state is not very good on the road this year. Uh, I don't know if they beat Missouri or not. Let me just look this up. My handy dandy net rankings, which I hate <laughs> right here for you. Um, I think Mississippi state's a hell of a basketball team this year. I've watched them play several times. I think they're very good. Um, Okay, they, they won their first road game at Missouri. You know, they're coming in with a, oh, a uh, 40, 40 something uh, in the net. So they would be a Q2 win. Uh, 13 and two at home, you know, on the road this year, one and seven. So they won their first road game against Missouri uh, over the weekend. That game was on a Sunday night. Uh, so they're not very good away from, Humphrey Coliseum down there in Starkville, um, you know, and South Carolina has gotten better at home uh, starting Saturday. You know, the disappointing losses to Tennessee and Kentucky, obviously, but, you know, the game guys have been pretty good on the road. Uh, Mississippi State won the last game pretty easily by 14. Um, and so it's kind of a do or die. I mean, you know, you got to go get that done, get that one done and, you know, have another Q2 win. And you got two quad ones and, you know, you got to pull for Vanderbilt and, and Texas a and Vanderbilt. And it's crazy because I I don't think Sally Arana should be ranked below those teams uh, by 15 spots, 22 in the case of A&M. Uh, but that's the way it is. And the good news is if those teams stay uh, in the top 75 because South Carolina's won on the road uh, against both of them, they could turn into Q1 wins. Uh, and so we'll see sort of uh, – how everything goes. I mean, look, South Carolina's got two quad one wins. Florida has two and then three quad two. No, they don't. Uh, you know, so they got five quad one and quad two. 
South Carolina's got six. You know, South Carolina also on the road has four wins. You know, Florida's got two. Florida, though, is, shoot, 44 spots above the Gamecocks. So I don't know. <laughs> it's just kind of crazy. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, if somebody can figure all this out mathematically, uh, please let me know. All right. Time for the mailbag. Uh, and the mailbag, as always, is brought to you by iHelp Consulting. My good friend Daniel Owens uh, is a the proprietor of iHelp. And if you're a business owner, you can always save time and save money. iHelp Consulting can help there. iHelp is Gamecock owned and operated, whose only mission is to help businesses save money. Uh, you may think you're paying too much for credit card processing, internet insurance, or anything else, but iHelp can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And remember, if I help can't save your business any money, you don't pay them anything. That's right. If I help can't help your business, it's no cost to you. So call or text Daniel 843-372-5713 or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again is 843-372-5713. I help consulting. How can I help you? They also sponsor JB and Goldwater. Um, can't encourage you guys enough. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, he saved a business $48,000, okay, <laughs> just for that call. And uh, he doesn't get paid like, you know, he's not one of these consultants going to charge you, you know, a bunch of money to where you're not really saving anything. Uh, he only takes a percentage of the uh, savings. So that's good. It's a good thing there. Daniel Owens, iHealth Consulting, proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast mailbag. There's two ways to get into the mailbag. Number one, you can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Please follow that. Please follow the Big Spur Pod um, on Twitter, also Inside the Gamecocks, on uh, Instagram. We have an Instagram account there. All right, first one comes in from Thomas. He says, JC, I know you felt that Tate Martell was widely overrated as a prospect was Spencer Rattler. Personally, I don't think he looked that bad, but OU fans were definitely not huge fans once he played. If you think Spencer will do well, can you go into detail a little? Well, I mean, look, man, OU fans weren't complaining after 2020. He's a Heisman Trophy uh, candidate heading into the next season. They started complaining this past year because things went south. Frankly, that happens. And and in a program like Oklahoma where – you're recruiting big time quarterbacks right behind, you know, you, you, you can, you know, the standards that you have, uh, you know, you're, you're not, if you don't have to stick with a guy, you're not going to, uh, especially when Caleb Williams can give you a little dimension with his legs uh, and all that. But, you know, man, look, I don't, I don't know if I'm, I'm, I may have spoke wrong, here, but there's a huge difference between Tate Martell, uh, who was widely overrated, and, and Spencer Rattler. Now, when Rattler came out, did I believe, oh, he's the next Kyler Murray? No, because it's not fair. I mean, Spencer's bigger, bigger than Kyler. They're different players. Just because he was going to Oklahoma, to me, didn't mean like, oh, he's Kyler Murray. He's his own guy, you know. And, and I thought, you know, he played pretty well uh, in 2020. Uh, and I didn't think he was terrible, <laughs> you know, this past year. Oklahoma's just a team. I mean, they're a program that, hey, if they're not scoring points, something's wrong. I mean, something's wrong. And uh, unfortunately for Spencer, you know, the spark they needed was putting in Caleb Williams. Now Caleb's gone to Southern Cal. But, uh, no, I, there's there's no universe, Thomas, where 
Tate Martell should even come up in the same conversation as Spencer Rattler. Uh, Tate Martell didn't play much anywhere. You know, he just wasn't very good. And, you know, I knew someone uh, on a Pac-12 staff when he came out that said, that kid, that kid's just not good. He's got a lot of issues and stuff. So, so look, man, I mean, you know, that that's a completely different story. You know, Spencer Rattler – you know, is he going to win the Heisman at South Carolina this year? Well, we all hope so, don't we? But uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't speak that on him right now. Um, but uh, no, there, there's no planet Thomas really where Spencer and uh, Tate Martell need to come up in the same conversation at all. Although I agree, I mentioned hype earlier that when Tate Martell went to Miami, you'd have thought, oh my God, you know, Miami's got their savior at quarterback, and I was like, he's not even going to start, and he didn't at all. Didn't even sniff it. Uh, nobody's saying that about Rattler uh, around Carolina. And Scott did uh, chime in and said, Rattler was on a 15-0 winning streak when OU's fans booed him. They wanted a losing season. They got their next 5-2 and two losing season without a shot at the championship with CWS quarterback, just like they deserve. Um, okay. Thanks, uh, Scott, for, for tuning in there. Uh, but Thomas, yeah, there's no planet where uh, none where Tate Martell needs to be mentioned in the same sentence as Spencer Rattler. You're talking about uh, a guy that I thought just maybe wasn't the next Kyler Murray because Kyler Murray's so unique. Plus, Kyler's five eight, you know, and Rattler's taller uh, and all that. Uh, versus a guy that I thought was doomed to fail and overrated from the start. Uh, in terms of them coming out of high school. Preston at the Big Spur Pod. If Frank lands G.G. Jackson, does that save his job for the next couple of seasons? Honestly, I think it should. Uh, and I'll address this. Uh, and, you know, There's going to have to be some decisions made. Now, now, look, I'll tell you this. My personal philosophy on everything is never fail to make a needed coaching change based on a recruit or a recruiting class. Um, now am I, do I bat a thousand with that? No, because I look at football right now. Uh, and I made a case after 2019, you know, in year four, you have a disastrous year in the sec teams are going to make a change. And Ole Miss made a change or made a change. Mississippi state made a change and they had arguably better seasons than South Carolina. Vanderbilt and South Carolina stood pat. Um, and I was like, well, we'll see who's right now. Let's go back in hindsight to 2019. Uh, that was when South Carolina was working on the 2020 class, which has Jordan Birch and Boogie Huntley and Marshawn Lloyd and Luke Doty and, you know, a lot of good players, you know, a lot of guys that are that are playing right now. And if Muschamp gets terminated and let's say they do bring in Shane Beamer and, and, and I would have hoped because, again, there's a hindsight part of this. Now, at the time, would Shane Beamer have been the hire over, say, Scott Satterfield, who went to Louisville and took them from, like, the worst team in the ACC to an eight-and-five year in a bowl? Who wanted the job? Uh, would the Gamecocks have cut a deal with Billy Napier at the time over Beamer? You know, would Beamer have had time um, at that point, which because there was a decision to be made, uh, to lobby for the job? You know, I don't, I don't know that it would have been Shane Beamer, but any of the three – uh, you know, I think Beamer would have been best equipped to do this, but any of the three, and, and Lane Kiffin mentioned this because he got the job 
at Ole Miss heading into the pandemic, and this is what I'm talking about, COVID, um, any of the three, when you don't know your players, you know, when you're going through a summer like that, in our, not just in USC, but across the country and in our society, um, I don't think anybody would have handled it as well as Will Muschamp did. Okay, now that has nothing to do with the wins and losses and the things that ultimately led to him being dismissed. But, you know, Muschamp signing that class and guiding the program through COVID with limited attrition, you know, I, I think there's something to be said for that in hindsight. Now, at the time, I was like, yeah, you don't sacrifice recruiting or you don't sacrifice a change for a recruiting class. Um, but looking at it now, it worked out, right? Because, you know, I, the program didn't get set further behind by Muschamp coaching the pandemic year. Uh, it just didn't happen. If anything, they sort of got ahead because of the attrition. And, you know, some guys like Cam Smith, who, who weren't going to get valuable reps, got them down the stretch. You know, so they ended up getting kind of ahead from a football development personnel standpoint. Uh, two and eight looks ugly, right? Uh, but Beamer inherited enough to get to seven and six, and then he's going to build on top of that. And you got a lot of guys coming back that, you know, were part of that recruiting class and part of, you know, the group that Muschamp held together. You know, and that's my logic there. Now, look, I mean, people are going to disagree with me and think uh, Muschamp. And, and, and again, at the time, I would have made that case, uh, a strong case. Uh, but I didn't see a global pandemic coming, you know. And uh, in recruiting, I thought it was a good class, but, you know, I, I hadn't seen some of these guys that I've seen now for two years and go, hey, they're, they're going to be players. So sometimes things work out. But I, I'm always of the philosophy that if you think a change should be made, then you don't sacrifice for recruiting. Now, the other thing about Gigi Jackson is he's not coming – I mean, right now – uh, and I'm told it's not even likely that he reclassifies. Uh, he's not reclassifying. So you're going to have another season next season, and then Gigi comes in. Uh, so what are you going to do between now and then? You know, um, and the question you have to ask is, can you have uh, this next season where – and it's a long time where, – where Frank keeps it afloat – you know, gets maybe can he get back to the tournament? You know, that kind of thing. Because if they end up in the NIT, you know, that's still one one in ten. Now I, I kind of look at it as one more one in seven, because I don't want to count his first two years, you know, that nobody reasonably thought he could make the NCAA tournament in those years. Uh and then the pandemic year. But one in seven, that's still not, you know, I think they'd hope that the final four meant more, you know, in terms of boosting the program in the right direction. Instead, it increasingly looks like a one and done kind of fluke. Not and it wasn't a and, and before people start throwing the term fluke around, uh, look, I, I, there was nothing flukish about that run. You know, South Carolina didn't luck up on a last second shot like Darren Horn's Western Kentucky team did. Uh, Western Kentucky that year drew two mid majors as a 12 seed and got to the Sweet 16, and they were oh Darren Horn best best next thing last second shots things like that. They they soundly defeated Marquette. They soundly defeated Duke. They soundly defeated with with probably the best half of basketball in program history. Uh, they they beat Baylor by twenty, uh, and then they in a gritty tough tough game against a good Florida team, they pulled away at the end to win. And they almost beat Gonzaga. You know who knows what would happen otherwise. Um, so that the, the the run was not a fluke. Now you look at it in big picture. Obviously, not much has been done since the final four uh, in terms of postseason. In fact, no postseason. Uh, 
Uh, now, two years ago, when they called the season off, that that, that team's going to the NIT. Uh, and if they'd have won, what, two or three games in Nashville, which I, I, I believe would have been unlikely, uh, they may have, may have gotten on the bubble and gotten in. But, you know, so, so you don't really know either way, although, I mean, I, I think the picture, would, the complaints would be a lot different had that team been on the bubble going, like clearly like on the bubble, like Lenardi has them first four out in Nashville. But that wasn't the case, you know, because they lost a game at Vandy. They had some they lost to Stetson. I mean, and those things trip you up, obviously, when you're talking about resume and the tournament and all that. So, so what do you do? So what do you do? Um, you know, if you get Gigi Jackson committed and you get to the NIT, yeah, that's my question. And uh, I don't have an answer. <laughs> I don't have an answer. Uh, second part of Preston's question is, does it concern you that the baseball team struggled? A lot of top teams lost this weekend, so maybe it's not a big deal. Um, again, does it concern me in terms of do I think this team's going to be out of the tournament or whatever? No. Um, would I call it a living up to standard weekend? No. And I, and I talk about that with the baseball program a lot, meeting the standard. And that's <laughs> losing any of these early games uh, does not meet the standard. Now, there have been plenty of teams that have lost – a game in their opening series or struggled against a, you know, a mid-major or whatever. They've been in Omaha or, you know, before. Um, but uh, with how this program sort of wired, you know, that was kind of when the successful teams that, that Ray Tanner had. And even last year, you know, that was a big start until they ran into Texas. Um, you know, that this team, this program historically, when they've been up, they don't lose these games. Uh, and they certainly don't struggle in all three like they did uh, against Greensboro. So, uh, you know, am I concerned? No. Uh, do I think everybody should just write it off as the opening? Uh, it depends on what happens moving forward. Um, you know, I hope that this isn't a sign of things to come. Uh, and I hope UNC Greensboro's a good baseball team. They look like look pretty good. I mean, so who knows? And Preston says, hashtag stay cocky. All right, thanks. So the other way to get in the, the mailbag is to email inside the gamecocks at gmail.com. As we continue on with the iHelp Consulting mailbag. Beaumont Gamecock 99. JC, I was really impressed to see Coach Beamer drop the puck and watch the Cox hockey team play Old Miss last Friday at the barn. This is a well-run, super-hyped club team that has grown into a raucous small venue experience for USC students in recent years, even winning a club championship before COVID. Men's hoops, take notice. Yeah, I like that. I like the – I mean, you know, like – all right, so uh, in full disclosure here, uh, Belmont, um, the Gamecocks uh, – okay, so hockey. Uh as a lot of you know, I spent a lot of time in the Chicago area, and hockey's big. The black one of my friends in that area is a huge Blackhawks fan. So I've never been into hockey. I've I almost, when I lived in Nashville, went to a Predators game. I met, I don't know why I backed out on that. Uh, I know why, but we don't have to talk about that that day. Um, you know, and actually the person I was supposed to go with, I remain friends with to this day, but that's how things go sometimes. Um, I, you know, and they say if you go to the actual games, 
with hockey, that means that's like a world of difference than watching on TV. So that's what I've always heard. So I, mean, I don't hate hockey. You know, I'm, 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 I'm would much rather watch hockey than soccer or whatever. Well, you know, the pandemic hit and all sports were canceled. And then NHL comes back and they kind of get to the playoffs before Major League Baseball. This was in 2020. And the Blackhawks played. And, and they actually won their first series. And it was exciting. And I got into it big time. And then the Blackhawks, of course, start rebuilding. And so I'm not into it now. Yes, <laughs> everybody's pissed off about hockey. So uh, that's the thing there. But I, I, I was kind of fired up, you know, looking at it. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I can't think of a single SEC coach that would be spotted taken in a club team game and way off campus to boot. This proves further that Coach Beamer has his ear to the ground, knows how to stay relevant, and cares about being relatable to the students. Um, yeah, uh, you know, look, and, and, and this is Shane because, you know, he has kids that love going to sporting events. His wife loves going to sporting events. They, uh, when they were at Virginia Tech, they were regulars. When, when he was here under, uh, under Steve Spurrier, uh, they were regulars. I remember one night, you know, uh, I'd gotten some information about somebody they were recruiting uh, at Virginia Tech, and I passed it along to him, uh, just kind of, you know, hey, heads up on this guy, because I'd, I'd heard some info. And he was uh, – Duke was playing Virginia Tech that night, and Blake's like, big hoops game tonight in Blacksburg, you know. Uh, and so that's just him. I mean, and 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 I think that's positive because you kind of look at some folks that have gotten some programs going. Uh, you know, Bruce Pearl uh, at Auburn as the basketball coach, for example, uh, out and about football games, whatever, getting people fired up, uh, supporting. You know, remember he supported the women's team at Tennessee. Uh, you know that kind of thing. And and Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, you'll find him at Clemson baseball games, Clemson basketball games, things like that. Uh, you know, and and that's that's a a good thing uh, to cause a lot of goodwill, I believe, uh, with fan bases and, 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 in your case, with the hockey club team, the students, because that's a student activity. It's, it's not a sanctioned sport. Um, God, it'd be great if it was one day, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'd probably get into hockey then, at SEC hockey. Wow. <laughs> That'd be something. Uh, and this email actually came in after last Tuesday's game. Awesome winning moment against Ole Miss, regardless of the haters. Our fans need to remember uh, this is an ESPN, a Good Morning America moment for the school. So it's happy to be on the right side of it. Go Cox. Yeah, that uh, hadn't talked about it because didn't have an episode last week. Half court shot by James Reese to win it. So Isaiah says, AJC, hope you're doing well. Just wanted to throw two names out there for the USC basketball job. Frank is let go. Hope, hopefully they can win enough to where he's not. BJ Mackey and Mike Boynton. Isaiah, those are two good ones. Now, the question with both is BJ ready to be the head coach uh, and run his own program and, and things like that. Uh, I certainly think, you know, th there's not many better as we're all learning than Steve Forbes to learn under. <laughs> I think Forbes is done a heck of a job at Wake Forest, right? Uh, and then they beat Notre Dame this weekend, and they're up there challenging in the ACC this year, which I don't think was expected. Uh, and then Mike Boynton, of course, at Oklahoma State. You know, I I really like him. I, I think he's a heck of a coach, good recruiter. Um, I don't know if South Carolina can hire him. Uh, I just, you know, with the raise he got, uh, all that. I just, I just don't know that 
you know, with his career, you know, Oklahoma State's a much better basketball job. You know, now South Carolina's home, so he'd have to listen. But, uh, you know, I, I think it would take an unbelievable offer uh, for to get him. Uh, and so, yeah, so so that's the thing with both of those guys. Now, I, 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 I think the world of both of them. So uh, I just think they're – just with any coach, there's – there's probably going to be some questions, you know, and, and, and with the case of Boynton, you know, you have to, they have to want the job and, and accept the job uh, for them to get the job. You know, you can't just, uh, can't just call them up, you know, and uh, they automatically show up. But uh, certainly I think uh, those two and many, many others are, are going to be candidates if it, if it happens. Sean said, Sean's a good emailer. Uh, had have thought about where South Carolina would be as a program if it wasn't in the SEC. Which conference could you see it being in and being worse or better for the long term? Just a hypothetical. Thought about the Big Ten and how fun those trips would be. Maryland comes to mind because of how they left the ACC. And an afterthought in the Big Ten. Saw, talk about a sleeping giant. The DMV is loaded. Uh, are we talking basketball? Well, football, too. I mean, you know, the DMV's got – players in both sports uh you know obviously baltimore and the state of maryland dc proper probably is a little bit more on the basketball side and then northern virginia on the football side but they both equally have a lot of talent across the board and yeah they're an afterthought in the big 10 right now in football because of the division they're in mainly um and then hoops obviously they're making a coaching change uh danny manning's uh, playing out the stream for Mark Sturgeon, and then we'll see who uh, the athletic director of their Damon Evans hires. Now, now here's the thing, though. When you're talking about Maryland to the Big Ten versus like a South Carolina to the Big Ten, uh, geographically, Maryland is a hop, skip, and a jump from Penn State. That's why Penn State, you know, we think of Penn State sometimes as being, you know, a little bit further north. But with the, the, the area in Pennsylvania, the State College, like right near Harrisburg, if you look at a map, and you just go straight up from Baltimore, most D.C., most places. Penn State's right there. Uh, and then with adding Rutgers on, I mean, you're, you're kind of geographically aligned, even with Maryland, which is uh, in D.C. for all intents and purposes, uh, being right there. Now, better fit in the ACC as the as one of the I guess they used to be the northern outpost in the league, but now with Syracuse and Boston College and Pitt, you know, they're kind of in the middle, uh, probably. Uh, now I so so now South Carolina would not fit in the Big Ten, uh, if it, and probably not in the Big Twelve either. Uh, you know, the Big Twelve it would have to be some sort of expansion uh, with more Eastern teams. Uh, you know, I I think obviously the league South Carolina would be in if they weren't in the SEC, it'd be the ACC. Uh, now, what would be better? Um, you, you know, I, I look at football and, well, there would be probably more winning seasons and more in the trophy case over the years had South Carolina gotten in the ACC. But but I think the success would have been a lot more like Virginia Tech uh, in, in the previous years. Uh, and then – you know, people, what about Clemson? Well, well, South Carolina would have had to have made the financial commitment Clemson did and, and the commitment to going even further uh, without the SEC money. Now, so that would have been a question. Could they have done it? Absolutely. 
Um, and I think it'd have been easier maybe to do it if you had a bunch of winning seasons. <laughs> uh, but I'll tell you this right now, you know, you, you look at the the year, you know, the year Steve Spurrier had at South Carolina and the players he was able to get. And I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, that program's not in the SEC at that time. You know, I don't think he gets Stephon Gilmore or Jadevian Clowney or Marcus Lattimore. Uh, maybe not Alshon Jeffrey either, you know. So I, I think if it weren't for the SEC, we may be sitting here seeing this thing where Tennessee comes in, Georgia comes in, uh, and that's football. Basketball absolutely would have been fine. Now, I don't know if there would have been a fall off or whatever after McGuire left, and maybe they wouldn't be because it's a bloodbath in, in that league and in that sport. You know, baseball, probably the same. Uh, you know, the, the SEC is probably the best conference, the ACC – uh, in many years, it's a close second with the Pac-12, uh, women's basketball, the opportunity uh, to be a power, even though the SEC, I think, is the best conference in that sport as well. Opportunity to be a power is still there with the ACC. So there you go with that. But um, I, uh, you know, I, I, everybody has this conversation all the time. Uh, I tend to think that you know, would there be more fun celebrations on Saturdays over the years and maybe more in the trophy case in terms of winning that league and, and things, you know, conference titles and things like that? Absolutely. Uh, in the ACC, but, but, but you know, would, would they've gotten the players? Would, would recruiting still be in state? You know, would, would they have the ability to keep guys in state and then that? Or, or, or would they just be a nice ACC program that, that was, yeah, competitive within that league, but – you know, you don't really consider them uh, as a team that can compete nationally like those four years under Spurrier, you know, they were. You know, so I remember A.J. McCarron from Alabama talking about, you know, you're in this game and the next thing you know you're playing South Carolina in the Georgia Dome and all hell breaks loose. And I'm like, I just thought for the Alabama quarterback to mention South Carolina – uh, like they usually would Georgia or Florida. So that was huge, you know, and, and everybody took notice. So, and a lot of that was because of the players they were able to get. And so uh, that would be my take on that. But that's a great question, Sean. I certainly appreciate it. Um, okay. Chris says, JC, I don't know if you watched any of the baseball this weekend, but it's Friday and the production quality is beyond awful. I streamed at least six other games, including softball. And each one had a standard standard ESPN scoreboard. We get a press box view with grainy video and audio and no replay. This explanation from Charles Bloom is wholly inadequate. I know this isn't the first year it's been an issue, and I understand that it's harder with baseball and basketball going on, but it's a uniquely USC problem that I've realized so far, and we could just scream to, to fix it. Baseball isn't a big profit-generating sport, but when Wake Forest has a better production of the game, there's no excuses. Uh, the worst part of this tweet thread is uh, deflecting using men and women who work hard to produce our live events. No one's saying the people holding the camera don't work hard. I'm going to leave that part out, Chris. <laughs> We're saying you clearly haven't given them, ad given them adequate supplies for them to do your job well and be proud of it. I hate when people go and blame Coach Tanner for everything from a sunburn to a train in Columbia at 2 a.m., got to get with the program. This happens every year in rant and Charles Bloom talks about how they can't move the camera back and forth until the basketball regular season is completed. All right. So simple solution. 
Uh, and, and look, I haven't priced the equipment, so maybe I'm talking out of turn. You know, maybe it's a seven figure deal. I don't know that it, I don't know how it would be, but, uh, you know, uh, and I agree with Bloom. It's not the people working it. I mean, I'm sure they get their feelings hurt because you're not the only one that's complaining about this. And it is bad, awful even. I agree. But, uh, you know, um, I'll tell you, it, it's a simple solution. Just go buy equipment. <laughs> uh, it's a purchase order. Um now, staffing it and stuff like that, I mean, I, I'd imagine there are people that can do it. Um, and I think it's a legitimate complaint uh, these days with the fans. Uh, and and, and I, I, I would say something different, Chris, and I would probably not disagree with you about the quality, but just say, hey, you know, uh, the, the stands are empty. I mean, go get a ticket. But those crowds are really good. And so um, – I think it's a legit complaint, and if that is the reason about the the transmission equipment, then go get, try to go get new ones. But then, then again, like I said, I don't know how much that costs. I mean, are we what are we talking here? You know, so maybe it is a little ridiculous, and and maybe the transmission equipment for uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe it is you. They do double dip or something. Uh, I'd have to get more clarification, but my, my answer would be go get more equipment. You're an SEC athletics department. You, money's not a problem. So, okay. Oh, man. Mr. White, JC, a post from Lorenzo on the message board. And he got me thinking about the accuracy of the recruit rankers from 24-7 as far as how accurately they rank South Carolina's classes. What I found goes against the narrative on the message board. 2016 class rate. Three players as four stars, McElwain, Bentley, and Edwards. Amazingly, the rankings were right. There were three 2016 signees who were drafted, Edwards, Wanham, and Brunson. The 2015 class, uh, three players as four stars, Christian, Blackshear, and Bailey. Only one was drafted, Rashad Fenton. 2014, seven players as four stars, Weidman, Allen, Williams, Stanley, Sawyer, Green, Samuel, and Shaq Davidson. Only one was drafted. That, that 2014 class was bus city. And um, who knew Dexter Weidman and, uh, was going to not pan out. And Dante Sawyer was never coached. And Wesley Green had to leave. Shaq Davidson was a bust. I mean, who knew? Who knew? So in those classes, uh, I did not include any more recent classes. 13 players is four-star to be drafted. Only five were drafted. So it appears that South Carolina is overranked, not underranked. In recent history, our classes are overrated, not underrated. Can you put to bed the narrative that the 24-7 rankers are against South Carolina? I, I don't think they're against South Carolina. I, I don't. I think that there are some individual players I would disagree with. Uh, that if just to so happened to committed to the game, been committed to the game, Cox Landon Sampson's the one that comes to mind. Um, Keenan Nelson to me shouldn't have dropped. Uh, could make a case for Brew Baker. I understand why they dropped him. Uh, and then there's some guys like Anthony Rose that you think have a shot to get that bump, and then they don't. And, and, and you know, Landon Sampson too proves it in an all star game. You'd think that. And then it doesn't happen. You know, the, the only problem I have these days with the rankings uh, is that I think a lot uh, has to do with 
who they rank high early and the hype that goes with it. And look, I'm, I'm not against hype. I mean, you, you, that, that's what kind of recruiting rankings are for. They're to get fan bases hyped up and to let, let you, you guys know that, Hey, recruiting is going well. The problem is we create a vacuum where it looks like it's not going well. And a lot of times it is uh, with, with different programs. And uh, I saw a seven on seven coach mention this on Facebook the other day and see when I was doing this, one of our, one of our things we love doing was, we go to a seven on seven or a camp and, and we look and try to find guys. I mean, that's a big deal when you're an evaluator, find guys. I mean, there's a player named Jabal Sheard that signed with uh, Pitt from South Florida. And I remember I ranked him pretty high, said he was underrated. Uh, I think I, I think I just had him at a high three star, but six four two forty ran four four five. You know, the film wasn't quite there yet. Well, he ended up getting drafted and being a great defensive end at the University of Pittsburgh and Moving on, I mean, Debo Samuel was a guy I ranked higher than everybody else because I saw him at uh, at uh, the Shrine Bowl and went there. Uh, nowadays, it just seems like, okay, you know, you, you, there's not a lot of guys like that. Just sort of the, the higher-rated guys are what they are. And when you're ranking two years in advance, uh, I don't know that that's a very sound football strategy. Um, to say, okay, this guy's number one uh, all the way, you know, that, that just doesn't happen. Dylan Moses was number one when he was a true fr- a freshman. There's no true freshman or redshirt freshman in high school. Uh, played at Alabama, was a hell of a linebacker there, but did not get drafted, you know, because you could be a great player in college and not get drafted. So, you know, go figure. <laughs> um, now, look, the the 2014 class 2015 class you know obviously those classes were not that good i mean it, it took must champs 2016 class and a little bit with 2017 to keep the program above water uh during his first two years just because even the i mean the highly rated guys uh even just were guys that you know didn't really pan out or, or left debo samuel is is the exception so I, uh, you know, Dante Sawyer ended up, I think by the time he was a senior, he played to a four-star level because he, he led the country in forced fumbles in 2017. Had Bryson Allen Williams not consistently struggled with injuries and maybe he'd been used a little better. Maybe he's better, you know. Uh, can't explain Wesley Green, Shaq Davis, and Dexter, Dexter Wideman especially. I just thought it was a, a disappointment. You know, but uh, no, they're not against South Carolina. I, I think I think if I have a, an issue with it, uh, I'd like to know the 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 the, uh, the methods a little bit more. Uh, the you know what influences it? Uh, what are they looking at? What are they thinking? Uh, that kind of thing. You know what what what's the what are the conversations like? Um, and, and and what what do these guys value? Because I knew what I valued. Uh, and I knew what guys like Jerry Hamilton that I worked with valued and Charles Power valued uh, and Steve Wiltfong, who's still with us, valued. But I, I don't I don't know a lot of these guys. Um, and frankly, you know, everybody's spread out across the country now and I'm not in the home office, so I don't get a chance to get to know. Them. Uh, so so I would I, that's I would like to dig into that a little more. Uh, and, and then, of course, there's always going to be player rankings I don't agree with. So thank you, Mr. White. Mitchell. Mitchell says, hope all is well. I have a question about Frank Martin. Do you have any insight as to why he decided to shave his head? My understanding, it was COVID-related, but I'm curious to see if there's any other reason. I don't have an issue with what people want to do with their headline, but i got to be honest here. 
I feel like Gamecock basketball has gotten worse since Frank has gotten bald. I don't know if it's me, but every time I see him on the bench, he looks ailing, unwell, and out of sorts. Reminds me a lot of Bear Bryant's last year at Alabama when he looked ill on the sidelines. I just don't want anything bad to happen to Frank Lyons coaching. Nah, there's no health issues there. Uh, I agree. The better look was when he had hair, and I think he'd probably agree with you too. Uh, but something happened when he had COVID where his hair started falling out. I don't. There's a term for it, and I don't remember. He, he mentioned it. So he just had to shave it. Uh, and um, But, I, I mean, has it gotten worse? It certainly was bad last year. Uh, you know, this year, Mitchell, I, I think this season's kind of the same season we've been seeing since the Final Four. Same year. You know, five above 500, and, uh, working 500 or above in the league. Hope. Hope to get on the bubble, but some unexplained losses early have knocked them down a notch. Um, so that that's that. I, so I don't know that. I mean, he had hair two years ago when they went eighteen and thirteen and had some bad losses that knocked him out. So I and I, I think that right now, you know, we're seeing the same year. Now I'm gonna say this about the LSU game. You know, there have been moments. Um, you know, not last year, obviously, but moments in previous seasons where there has been a big home game at the CLA. And even this year, Tennessee and Kentucky come to mind. And Tennessee, they fell flat on their face on CBS. Uh, Kentucky, I thought they played pretty well. Just Kentucky is really, really good. And Gamecocks didn't have a good day defensively. Um, so so maybe that's a trend that gets reversed. I mean, you know, you, basketball ebbs and flows. And, you know, the Gamecocks are, are hot right now, confident right now, but still got four left. Uh, but I don't necessarily agree that since Frank's been bald, they haven't been good just because this is kind of the same year that, that they've had over and over again as things stand today. Thanks, Mitchell. But I agree the hair looks better. Chris says, Christopher, it's a good name. It's my middle name. Sorry for the long question. Again, thanks for all you do. I'm not sure if you watched the baseball game. Uh, here we go. Uh, terrible broadcast. Charles Bloom, basketball and baseball share the, share the same transmission equipment. They can't be moved back and forth. Every other SEC team in Clemson had a normal broadcast. Most of them had basketball games as well. It is so frustrating. We continue to not do the little things, right? How hard is it to buy small cameras and transmission equipment? God knows we have the money. I would love to hear your thoughts. Same thing, same answer stands. I don't know how much it costs. Uh, maybe that's something I'll get whittled to ask about uh, when he's talking to his folks in the admin. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, we, we, we do think that, you know, they're just – they have unlimited money. I, I've never felt like money was a problem for – giving coaches what they need, facilities, uh, coaching hires, salaries, that kind of thing, uh, travel budget, all those all those things that count. But, I mean, with the pandemic and losing all that money, maybe there is a uh, some, some corners that have to be cut. I don't know that for sure. Um, and all that, my, my opinion on that all depends on how much is this that we're talking. <laughs> and I, honest to God, I don't know. Uh, I've, I've just, I haven't researched it. You know, uh, I'd be great if I, you know, had it on, had my own TV show sitting here and I had transmission equipment, <laughs> all that, but I don't, so I don't know, but I agree. It's lame. Um, and, and you know what, if you're going to have a single camera broadcast, you know, at least get the audio, right. I mean, that audio was tough and I watched some of the games and I, and I know, and, you know, look, but 
I'll also say this. You know, when the TV schedule came out, they said on the schedule, single camera only. So this should not be a surprise, uh, you know, that it was single camera. I just, you know, the reasons that were put out there in public by Charles Bloom, I'd have to research that a little more because it seems pretty easy. Just go buy some more equipment. But I don't, like I said, I don't have not priced that stuff, so I have no idea. All right, Noah says, JC, what would it take to get the Gamecocks in the tournament? Would a win against Missouri, a win against Mississippi State or Alabama, and one win in the SEC tournament be enough? Uh, I think they'd have to win all three to feel and, and one in the NCAA tournament to feel comfortable. And, and that's just because – and look, I had the net moved them up more from – I mean, they went from 94 to 93 after beating LSU, a top 20 – team at home, a Q1 win. <laughs> I mean, they moved up more by beating Ole Miss on the road on the last second shot. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm like, I don't know if maybe there's some data missing when it comes to South Carolina uh, or what. But, man, oh, man. I mean, that that was surprising to me that they they only moved up one spot. And so, so, so my answer to that is I don't know. Even, you know – my whole thought would be, or was prior to the net ranking after the LSU game would have been, look, okay, so you got to beat LSU, obviously. You got to beat Mississippi State at home. They, they haven't won but one road game, although it was the last time they played. Uh, so win those games, right? And then you got to hope and pray to the good Lord in heaven that Alabama has an off night shooting, which that happens to them. They live and die by the three. Um, and that your guys, Cousinard, um, our, our guy, Stevenson, Reese are hot from the outside in Tuscaloosa. And if that's the case and you defend well, you, you pull out an improbable upset. That's another win. Uh, Missouri at home should be another win. And then Auburn to me, yeah, you go take your shot, but man, oh man, oh man, they 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 South Carolina does not match up with them this year. They'd have to have a day kind of like they had not at Florida this past week, but at Georgia, where they just look like they're not interested. Uh, and even then, I, I think it'll be Senior Day. I mean, they're going to be a number one seed. I mean, it, it's just that Auburn team this year is just a tough matchup for just about anybody, uh, especially down there where they've created a tremendous home court advantage. You know, so I think, all right, so you get, so say you win three of four, you pull the upset at Alabama, you finish 10 and eight. You know, who knows where the net would be by then. But uh, I think even then, you, you know, you're probably looking at having to win two, uh, depending on where the net is. Now, is, is that fair? Uh, is that accurate? Don't know. Now, you win all four, including a win at Auburn. Now, I, I don't know how you – 11 and seven in the league at that point is probably top four or five. I don't know how you, you say South Carolina didn't have the resume to get in uh, to me, but that would be four wins. And I don't know that that's going to happen. That'd be quite a feat because that would mean, well, seven straight SEC wins to end the season. Quite an accomplishment. Quite an accomplishment. Okay. That's going to do it. For today's episode of Inside the Gamecocks Podcast, I'm J.C. Sherbert. Thanks for tuning in. Again, I help consulting mailbag. Tweet to at the Big Spur pod. Email inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Also, thanks for checking out the Bigspur.com and uh, appreciating all we do right there. Gamecock Nation is awesome. 
you guys really, uh, really support, you know, everything that's out there, uh, including the NIL things that I've noticed lately. And I got to give you guys credit. You guys are great. And uh, we'll holler at you soon. Inside the Gamecocks, J.C. Sherbert signing off.